This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of December 22nd, 2018. Anheuser-Busch Joint Venture. Two fake whiskey stories. Tis the season to be lying. Opus sues over cork taint. Miller Coors and Pat set a lawsuit over brewing contract. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, a show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. First up this week, Anheuser-Busch InBev announces $100 million cannabis deal with Tilray, coming from VinePair.com. In the latest instance of breweries sniffing out the weed business, Anheuser-Busch InBev announced Wednesday it will partner with Tilray, a Canadian cannabis producer, in a $100 million venture. AB InBev's Labatt Breweries of Canada will work with Tilray subsidiary High Park Company. Yes, <laughs> High Park. The partnership will focus on research into the cannabis-infused non-alcoholic drinks market in Canada, Reuters has reported. According to the announcement, each company plans to invest up to $50 million to research cannabidiol, uh, cannabidiol, CBD oil, um, a compound found in cannabis purported to be beneficial to mood and health without causing a high. Also, as of this week, I think made legal in the U.S., um, Canada became became one of the first major countries to legalize recreational cannabis use in October. By next October, the country is expected to approve cannabis-based beverages, edibles, and other products. Other major beverage alcohol producers investing in the trend include Constellation Brands, which added $4 billion to an initial $200 million investment in canopy growth in August, and Molson Coors, which formed a joint venture with Hexo Corp in August. Exocorp sounds like <clears throat> sounds like a, a video game villain company. It does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like uh, Oscorp or something like that. Yeah. yeah, corp to the end of anything. It's quite a sound. Yeah, hundred million dollars. That's that's some walking around money. But yeah, but it seems like they're clearly not going as balls deep as Constellation into this. Look, Constellation loves loves to throw that B word around. Billion. <laughs> Ball of the balls. Well, the constellation. I think ABM Bev is struck with the the ability to have additional funding, but they're also strapped for cash at the moment because their main brands aren't necessarily doing great. So they've got they've got a lot of opportunities for um, well, moving have- into emerging markets, but not necessarily the additional funding that some of these other companies may have. They also did that giant merger buyout of of Saab Miller, which uh, I'm, so like they, that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, did that one? I, I think they just it wasn't for cash or anything. It was just sort of like a trade or so, uh, there wasn't a complete buyout on that side. I can't remember for, how it was done. They, yeah, they ended up with some of the rights and they had to spin off some of the companies internationally to do whatever but i think there was still yeah. there was still a hefty price tag i'm assuming involved with with it yeah 
and there's maybe still undisclosed last year whatever they paid for wicked weed that we'll never know oh I, I was just thinking about the analogy so um we've seen what why why this is probably going to happen in canada but not necessarily in the u.s and it comes down to we don't like to mix our taxables um we don't put caffeine in beer because it was something that would be uh, basically regulated off shelves. Right now, they're just saying, hey, we're not even going to go there. Uh, but if they did, it would be just taken off shelves uh, through regulation. We don't put any sort of uh, nicotine in beer. So even if cannabis became legal in the United States at a, at a federal level, I don't see us mixing alcohol and and any sort of cannabis in at least the foreseeable future um, together. Now, the CBD oil, the the non-high causing version of it, maybe. Um, but even at this point, this article is talking about a beverage or edible or other product and not necessarily alcohol. It's the non-alcoholic version. Hmm. Yeah. That, it's still like they had mentioned that they were looking to try to to diversify their non-alcoholic portfolio so that you know we were figuring they were going to do something like this despite them trying to quash rumors that they were uh weed is non-alcoholic it is <laughs> exactly you can't really uh smoke alcohol well i mean <laughs> i'm sure you could unless you want to taste like ham <laughs> you can vape it yeah Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting to see how we're kind of screwing ourselves in this country, or at least the government is, over it's the new taxable thing that there's like, no, we're not going to allow it. We're not going to allow it. And they're just like standing there in the corner with their fingers and they're going, la, 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 la. And then all the companies here are going, well, let's just go to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, after, even though it doesn't have anything to do with uh, alcohol or pot or whatever, but like after the... Um, uh, the Congress thing with Sundar Pichai uh, about the like all the old white guys essentially who are just like yelling about their iPhones to Sundar and he's like we don't make the iPhones <laughs> yeah. yeah they hold up their iPhone and go why does it when I search this on this it brings this up and he's like I don't know that's that's an <laughs> Apple product I don't yeah. I don't have anything to do with that and they're like well, you know what I mean <laughs> like nope uh, but like after that I'm just like that's that's the the person I'm envisioning. <laughs> <laughs> who also has to look at the pot stuff and everything else and is like, no, this is this is dumb. This is wrong. I mean, by <laughs> and large, most of Congress looks the same. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's the old white guy problem. That's yeah. Over 60 white male. Yeah. Congress shouting at Sky blames clouds for problems. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well. Speaking of problems. Speaking of old white no. guy problems. <laughs> Oh man, there it kind of never is. before have we have we hit such old white man problems. <laughs> that's that's a very that's a very good wealthy point. old white man problems. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have uh, two stories about fake whiskey, which is just count them two. <laughs> uh, yeah, two different ones entirely, actually. Um, so this the first one uh, I'm going to go with is the one out of Lexington, Kentucky. You know, bourbon country, uh, more or less. Um, more or less. Yeah. Uh, this one said that it's a, so this one is a fake bourbon barrel company. So this company had stated that they sold, uh, barrels for the, the whiskeys and, and craft beer, et cetera, et cetera. 
and uh, not so much, turns out. <laughs> um, so uh, Attorney General Andy Bashir issued a scam alert on Friday for the website oakwoodbarrels.com. So they sounds c- sounds so descriptive and, yeah. and legitimate. Why would that not be real? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so two victims from out of state said that they paid more than $650 for barrels that they didn't receive. Officials with the Better Business Bureau drove to the Lexington address listed on the company's website after getting the complaints and found no physical building. I like to imagine they ended up at the Lexington, the, the minor league team, the Lexington Legends game. You know, uh, <laughs> just something, yeah. Or they, it was the Just Cowboys. pulling the Blues Brothers and they're like, I gotta say, good job. Cowboys parking lot or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it says the USPS also returned a letter sent to the company from Bashir's office. Quote, during the Christmas season, it's sad con artists go to extreme lengths in order to steal money and personal information from those who support Kentucky's popular bourbon industry, said Bashir. I urge anyone who's fallen victim to this company to contact the office of the attorney general immediately and file a complaint. Um, it is sad, actually. Uh, and they've even got, like, at the bottom of the story, the, the hotline to call about the um, Office of Consumer Protection, which I didn't know was a thing, but I guess that makes so sense. So yeah. what, were, what were they selling? Were they Was it to... It, sell entire barrels they literally barrels. so it says they emptied full like what i, I assume emptied um because it says uh the website claims so that it sells bourbon craft beer and spirit barrels that are ready to ship so i i assume it's just an oak barrel that's just here you go that, so they're claiming it had it's been a, used is what they're claiming. Yeah. yeah freshly used so like a wet barrel that uh a yeah. craft brewer could buy to dump their beer in an age yeah or if you want uh, a barrel just for like whatever, I imagine a planter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but so that that sucks. the price they were money. charging, uh, I mean, what was it? Two people. They they said that it was like six fifty. Yeah. So can, the price that they're charging, it's it better be like a freshly dumped barrel. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I'm sell. thinking. It is. I was gonna say you can get not wet barrels, just they were used, and you can pick those up at almost. Half the, the liquor li- barn. Yeah, liquor yeah. barn has a lining, liquor barn. lining the walkway out for a hundred, starting at like I think eighty dollars, and they range up to like two hundred dollars <laughs> depending on what was in the barrel, and I'm assuming probably how fresh. On the one hand, it's a little sad though that like, I well, I, it says they're from out of state. Maybe they didn't know enough about it, but you'd think like people who would want to use the barrels for the intended purpose would be like that price doesn't seem right. Yeah. <laughs> But that's that's the problem when you get scammed. You it seems too good to be true. Yeah. yeah, This this in um, when you uh, go to oakwoodbarrels.com now, the site is no longer there and it's in Russian. Ah, (laughs) so Uh, uh, the hello. Sorry, uh, the site isn't here is in Russian. So nice. Sounds like this might be Putin Putin. got you again. (laughs) Uh, we broke it here, folks. Putin! <laughs> All right, and uh, let's get to the second sad news. So a rare whiskey estimated to be worth $800,000 is actually fake. Uh, so this <laughs> oh. one is actually from Whiskey Advocate. Uh, it says fake whiskey is a very real problem. Uh, whiskey Advocate covered uh, in, in depth um, in, in their fall issue about this whole issue. Um it says common forgeries include real bottles that have been refilled and resealed, as well as fake bottles made to look like the real thing. Uh, it says the Scottish University's Environmental Research Center, 
which doesn't actually say anything when you say it, uh, performed <laughs> radiocarbon dating tests on 21 different bottles of rare scotch, determining every one of them to be fake. If the whiskeys were authentic, the bottle's worth would be around 635,000 pounds. That's, pounds, That's heavy yeah. money. Or $803,106. Not, <sighs> not cheap. Um, so then, so Whiskey Advocate is providing... Uh, Which one of them is worth $6? <laughs> yeah. uh, how to spot fake whiskey. So, um, taking these results further, brokerage and consulting firm Rare Whiskey 101, that exists, uh, who provided the geochemistry experts at that acronym with five, 55 Sarek. bottles. <laughs> sure, Isn't yeah. that a Mortal Kombat? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Nin- like one of the robot ninja guys? Oh, it's like Sarak or something. Yeah, yeah. he was the the robot ninja that came after no, no. Sarek is the, the, the vampire pterodactyl from the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> this gets better and better. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I was waiting for the next step of that. Cause I like, no, that's all. It's actually Sauron. I was like, no, that's the big eyeball thing. <laughs> Just keep going. Well, I was watching two towers earlier. I mean, <laughs> it's the best time to expose the child. <laughs> <sighs> can has- I read? Can I read X Men comics to your child when I see him next? Like, like it's time to time for your first story, the Dark Phoenix Saga. Oh, if you can bring some of those good ones, yeah. <laughs> he won't know anything yet, but it's fine. Oh, oh, he'll know. <laughs> It'll seep deep into his brain. Anyway, and we're back. Okay, so <laughs> so they tested fifty-five bottles of scotch as a sample. Uh, estimated that approximately forty-one million pounds uh in forged whiskey is currently on the secondary market or held in private collections uh pounds Oof. meaning the cost not you know. yeah uh, like, that is a lot of whiskey oh oh it's still a lot but it's not as much as i thought yeah it's, it's a lot but not yeah uh that figure overshadows like that weight, is that weight measured in barrels too or <laughs> yeah, how do they do that uh, that figure overshadows the value of the entire UK whiskey auction market, which is <laughs> predicted to exceed 36 million pounds by the end of this year. Among the bottles tested were several malt whiskeys alleged to have been distilled ar- around or before 1900. Every single one of these was proven to be forgery, leading Rare Whiskey 101 co-founder uh, to recommend that all bottles of pre-1900 scotch, quote, should be assumed fake until proven genuine. Wow. <laughs> Uh, the channels for acquiring rare whiskeys don't guarantee their provenance as proven by three bottles that were tested. Uh, an Ardbeg from 1885, acquired from a private owner, an early 20th century Thorns Heritage blended whiskey purchased from an auctioneer, and uh, an Ardbeg supposedly bottled in the 1960s and bought in retail. All were fake. <laughs> so like, it's just like over and over. Sorry, I'm just still yeah. thinking like, how... Jesus, how you did you keep? Have, how did you not drink that? Like whiskey shouldn't be that old because it's not really going to taste that great at that point. I don't think, um, right? It mellows in the bottle, so depending on some of these scotches, like if there were some intense scotches, well, they might okay. be pretty nice. So it's not like That's wine it's where scotch you're, versus yeah, okay. It's not like wine yeah, where you're going to end up with a bottle of become, vinegar. Wine becomes vinegar, uh, <laughs> as Lupin the Third has taught us. <laughs> yeah, the Lupin Law. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it, it talks about like the the auction houses and this being an issue there, um, the, the the famous auction houses in, in uh, England, Sotheby's, Christie's, um, and then there was a scandal that uh, that erupted in, in a Swiss hotel 
That was $10,000 dram, not a bottle, a dram mm. <laughs> of 27-year-old McCollin from 1878. That was fake. Uh, Ooh. Well, of course it was. Yeah. 27 years ago was not 1878. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so either way, there, it seems to be a, a big deal that um, is like ever too present, especially in the UK. But I'm kind of wondering, like, because this whole thing is based in the UK, I'm wondering like how, what that scene is here um, in America. So, oh, I'm sure it's just as bad when you're looking at the auction houses and things like that. It's just yeah. like what I've been biting my tongue and just wanting to scream is don't buy on the secondary market because you have no clue what the hell you're buying. Right, right. You're mm-hmm. buying you're well, buying word of mouth. And it's like, how much do you trust that person? How much do you trust where they sourced it from? Mm-hmm. It's like if I knew the person who had originally, like if I knew a reputable person, buyer and seller, who had purchased a bottle of something extremely rare years ago, and I I know them well enough to say, hey, I don't think you're going to be screwing me on this. You actually bought this bottle forever ago. You've been holding on to it, and now you're looking for a buyer or whatever. Then maybe. But otherwise, I'm not going to go to an auction and trust pretty much anybody. Like, yeah. <laughs> Because it's all, everybody's in it for the money. I was going to say, well, auction houses... Their goal is to say, we are trustworthy. You can buy legitimate stuff from us because we are so trustworthy. <clears throat> to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, um, now, that said, I imagine whiskey forgery and wine forgery s- probably easier than forging money. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, if you can so, get the right bottles and... Basically, if you can get uh, not even... You can get if you can get a hold of empty bottles. Yeah, and there you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you can get a hold of like you can buy whatever because people will sell empty bottles of these rare right, whiskeys. which it, it mentioned in the so, thing. Like yeah, and then you're able to redo the seal, mm-hmm. and you just yeah. fill it with what the hell ever, as long as it looks right. That's all that matters. Yeah. So right now, um, the empty bottle for Weller Antique 107 is going on eBay for $32 plus shipping. So what? why would somebody pay $32 for an empty bottle of a whiskey that goes for $30 retail? Well, you have... True. You go, oh, I just want it because it looks nice. Well, some of the And I wasn't going to find it without it. On the other hand... Yeah. Why is a 20-year-old... Or yeah, twenty-three-year-old bottle of Pappy bottle empty, with just the bag with it, going for three hundred dollars, three hundred fifty dollars on eBay right now. So people can go and and take these and rebottle it and and put a new wrap on and make the wrap look pretty decent mm-hmm. and resell it. And you've got the exact label, the exact bottle. The only thing that's different is the juice inside. And to be perfectly honest, people don't taste this juice often enough to to yeah. really be able to tell. Yeah. And when you do open it up, it's already used at that point. So you, you, you're not reselling it at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened. I mean, it was really bad in the wine industry. There was one guy who yeah. um, who was doing this not too long ago. And basically, once they shut him down, they shut down. I don't know. I, I would say it was a large portion of the the fake wine market. <laughs> they they shut down ten like ten percent of the wine of the counterfeit wine market. I think it's. I think I know I what you're talking more about. More than that, actually. I think it was almost like seventy percent, eighty percent of the wine market <laughs> I, was shut I down with this one individual. That. 
I didn't think it was quite that high. Well, that might have been like the whole group, him and his yeah cohorts. But yeah, but yeah, he would just be able to to do some resells. Um, it's interesting, but <laughs> the 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 idea is that a an auction house should have somebody on staff that can catch this. Mm. But at the end of the day, they're human, and right, right. these fakes are sometimes good. And if it's a bottle that nobody really gets to see, or it's a, such a rare bottle that you don't, you only get to see one or two every in a lifetime. Who's to say that this isn't the the real bottle or whatever? I mean, their their experience is short, and at the end of the day, it may be their responsibility to look at it and say, "Hey, we want to preserve our reputation," but their main purpose is to make the most money for the seller. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's really the, 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 you know, if they were going through with a seller who's pretty reputable, they may not put as much due diligence into that as mm-hmm. somebody who isn't. Right. Okay. Well, always, always see. buy from uh, firsthand sources, uh, like your reputable stores who didn't buy secondhand. They got straight from, you know, straight from the source. Like it came from a distributor. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Sometimes, when you get straight from the source, you still have problems. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me jump in. Yes. Uh, I know you're you're doing a segue here. Yes. Even coming straight from a distributor, there's still some issues on, on that side as well, oh, potentially, yeah. if you're doing imports. But yeah. continue on on that end. <laughs> Use caution. Even if you... The moral of the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, one com- this one company should have used caution, because now... They got the cork taint. <sighs> uh, that happened to me back in the seventies. It wasn't. It wasn't fun. <laughs> I tried it once in the seventies. I did not enjoy it. Um, <clears throat> so, corked opus. Uh, corked opus one. Sorry, they have a very strange name. Uh, Sue's Cooperages over TCA tainted barrels. Uh, we got this from Vine Pear. Uh, even in infinitesimal amounts, the chemical compound 246 trichlorosol, chloranosol, yeah. uh, or TCA, can cause irreparable damage to wine. Is anyone else thinking of like the uh, uranium 238 yeah, explosive? Where my head was going. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, well, commonly known as cork taint, which we will be using it for the rest of this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good old cork taint. The presence of cork taint brings moldy, musty aromas and the complete loss of fruit flavor in wine. Uh, so that's probably not a good thing. Uh, although most famously associated with contaminated corks, the chemical is also present in almost all woods, as one esteemed California winery found out to its detriment. Uh as reported by wine searcher Opus One, the high-profile joint venture between the Rothschild family and Constellation Brands filed a lawsuit against four California and France-based cooperages early December after receiving uh, uh, cork-tainted barrels. Hmm. The details of the lawsuit remain private, though Opus is believed to be suing... Let's try to see if we can get through some of these names because they're French... Uh, Alain Fouquet, Fouquet, uh, whatever, French cooperage, uh, Boyond, uh, dis- distribution, Donore, Francois Ferre, I don't know, and 
that dude again, Alan. For- <laughs> I'm going to call him Forquit. Uh, Alan Forquit and Associates. <laughs> so wrong. It hurts me to actually say it that way. Um, for about half a million dollars, uh, the sum would cover the cost of lost wine, as well as testing expenses for the affected barrels, said to be 10 in order of 150 received in 2016. Uh, man, ten, 10 barrels doesn't sound like a lot, but you go, how much wine can you put in a barrel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's a complicated case, that, uh, and one that many in the industry believe will be settled well before it reaches courts. Uh, some of the issues being... How do you value the wine, cost, price, or retail value, level of detectable cork taint in the barrel, and the details of the contract between Opus One and the Cooperages? Uh, this is also not the first time they've sued because of cork taint, yet uh, cases normally involve cork rather than barrel suppliers. Uh, victory for Opus One could set a new precedent for the responsibility and liability of Cooperages, though. I feel like... I don't know if it would help set precedent. I don't, and I don't remember what ended up happening. But with, uh, could they look to the craft industry where you have some of those lawsuits against like White Labs and things like that, uh, for, like from Left Hand? Over saying it seems kind of similar, like you know, vaguely I mean, similar. Whereas you have a, a larger supplier of something that the entire industry is going to be using that may have come tainted. I mean, maybe it uh, depends on the courts that they're going through i would assume because in addition to going through uh american ones they're also going through french uh, california mm. and france okay uh, so that'll change it uh they may have more success against the california ones depending on the precedent set by that other suit provided that other suit didn't settle hmm. um uh, i you know i'm not a lawyer nor do i pretend to be one on tv but I was going to say, you just play one on TV. You play one on the internet. <laughs> uh, I'm just a simple hopper chicken. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the it, it seems like it depends on which courts they get it solved in. Uh, they get which ones they're they're being tried in. I feel like a lot of lawsuits end up get, like of this kind probably end up getting settled. Like, not neither side really wants this much bad press, hmm. so. It it feels like it could, in some degree, could also just be a threat to go, hey, fix this, give us at least some kind of money back, and we yeah. can... Yeah, some kind of compensation for what was lost here. Yeah, and who knows, like, the, the thing also mentions it could be based on their contract. There could be a part in there that goes like, yo, our barrels, they not tainted. <laughs> they not tainted, yo. <laughs> they not tainted, yo, you believe. They ain't say it be like it be. But it do. <laughs> I would love to see Is that like just legal the claws? text. It just goes, yeah. <laughs> uh, just like I'm just saying, laws would be a lot more fun to read that way. <laughs> they were all written by like the Wu Tang or something. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Ghostface Killer probably wants to write some laws. Oh, he does. I'm sure. All right. Well, uh, uh, I can't. I can't pass up the good segue. Uh, I don't know. Is it that good of a segue? Speaking of uh, of laws, ghost? I don't. Know. No, it's it's uh, just a terrible segue. I was gonna say, speaking of Ghostface Killer, it was <laughs> like, where are we going here? I got no idea on this one. No, uh, we're gonna talk about a story that we actually should have covered last episode because it's something we've been keeping up with. 
but uh, just remembered, oh, yeah, maybe we should tell you guys this whole thing ended and uh, tell you how that wrapped up. So the Miller I feel like we didn't even notice it had wrapped up last week. I had noticed, but when it's when we're in the crunch time and we're selecting stories, sometimes things flee my mind. That's fair. And then uh, suddenly, especially it comes, in those last couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, and you might hear cooing over in the corner because because baby. And last night was the first night that we both not not in one you know not not in one sleeping slept at least eight hours but you know it was spread over the night usually it's like three hours spread over the night so eight hours was was nice uh brain brain function again brain work so uh miller cores paps uh set a lawsuit over brewing contract so miller cores mm-hmm. and paps settled the lawsuit uh this is wednesday this was last month so <laughs> in which Hipster's brand of choice claimed the bigger brewer lied about its ability to continue brewing Pabst beers to put that company out of business. The settlements came as jurors were ending their second day of deliberations after a two-week trial in Milwaukee County Circuit Court. We have reached an amicable settlement in the case and are pleased to resolve all outstanding issues with Pabst, Miller Coors said in a statement. Uh, settlement details were not disclosed, and nothing. Sorry, all I can think of right now is a uh, um, British Prime Minister, World War Two, not Churchill. Um, uh, uh, oh, like I've just completely blanked on his name. It starts with an. It's all you guys. I, I, starts with a letter, I'm sure. Starts with an A, I think. But uh, keep talking, and I'll suddenly shout it out. All right. Well, since 1999, you might be surprised to know, Chicago-based Miller Coors has made and shipped nearly. Hmm? Chamberlain. Chamberlain? Yeah, Neville Chamberlain. Okay. Uh, I was thinking of World War One's prime minister. I was like, I'll be... No, that's not... Uh, but yeah, Neville Chamberlain, peace in our times. <laughs> it's, it just makes me think of him going out, we have found peace in our beer. British Prime Minister Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, since 1999, <laughs> Chicago-based Miller Coors has made and shipped nearly all of Pabst beers, which include Pabst Blue Ribbon, Old Milwaukee, Lone Star... And everybody's huh. bottom shelf favorite, Schlitz. <laughs> I didn't know Old Milwaukee was made by them. I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, it seems to fit. Most of this is news to me, actually. That's fine. Yeah. Like, so oh, okay. since uh, since '99, if you've been enjoying those beers, it's not been made by uh, made by Pabst. It's been made by Miller Coors. Pabst <laughs> lawyers argued in the company's 2016 lawsuit that Miller Coors worried that Pabst would cut into the market share and devised a plan to stop brewing. For the smaller competitor, Miller Coors attorneys called Paps claim a conspiracy theory and said the company was simply deciding what makes economic sense. The agreement between Miller Coors and Paps, which was founded in Milwaukee in 1844, but is now headquartered in Los Angeles, expires in 2020. It's kind of why this all came to be is because that deadline's coming. Uh, but provides for two possible five-year extensions. The companies uh, disagreed on how the extensions were to be negotiated. Miller Coors argued it had sole discretion to determine whether it can continue brewing a Pabst, whereas Pabst said the companies must work in good faith to find a solution if Pabst wanted to extend the agreement, but Miller Coors lacked capacity. That, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I read that, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, of course, Miller Coors would say, "Yeah, we have sole discretion." Yeah, it is in their bats. <laughs> like, well, given the outcome, uh, I have a feeling 
Pabst may have been correct somewhere, and their lawyers yeah. found a way to walk up to Miller Coors and go, <clears throat> and point to a line in the agreement, and Miller Coors said, boy, are our faces red. <laughs> yeah. It's called antitrust. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they decided mm. upon the solution before determining their sufficient capacity, uh, Adam Paris, one of Pabst's lawyers, said during closing arguments Tuesday. Their problem wasn't a capacity problem. Their problem was a financial problem. Paps needs 4 million to 4.5 million barrels brewed annually and claims Miller Coors is its only option. Paps' lawsuit sought more than $400 million in damages and a court order for Miller Coors to honor its contract. If you sue someone for $400 million and then ask them to keep making your product, I wouldn't really trust the product that's still coming out. <laughs> Call me nuts. Man, that's when you get it. There's a whole lot more urine in our in our beer than there <laughs> yeah. used to be. It's like a whole board of directors worth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Miller Coors and Anheuser Busch, which uh, have the biggest U.S. market share at 24.8 percent and 41.6 percent, respectively, uh, have been losing business to smaller independent brewers, imports, and wine and spirits in recent years, according to the Brewers Association. U.S.-based, we know. Who, we know who that is. If, if anyone's reading an article about this, why why would you need? I don't know. It's always someone's first. Yeah, first uh, well, reading of this. Shipments stuff. shipments are down two hundred thirteen point one million barrels. Let that sink in. Two hundred thirteen point one million barrels in two thousand eight to two thousand four. I'm guessing that's what they meant. Is it says two oh four? No, <laughs> no, no. In two thousand eight to two hundred four point two million barrels. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand one hundred uh, yeah. thirteen million to two hundred four million over seven years. Yeah, but given the capacity that's needed, so uh, seven, what the point they're trying to get is uh, Anheuser Busch doesn't do contract brewing, and they were the only other one that could handle the capacity needed. That, uh, that left amount. Miller Coors as the only U.S. brewery that could do it. Hmm. Huh. So I imagine they probably at least just just be guessing what some of the settlement was. They but they probably got an extension on the brewing thing and probably got some money. But there's probably like <clears throat> if we change our policy about contract brewing, you got to you got to go. Probably you're just not to build your own facility, get to work. Yeah. So um, even all... then probably like 40 million is not probably enough to build the kind of facility they need to to make oh. the quantity oh. they need oh heck no yeah uh no. so jurors were deliberating on this and uh it was like the the trial was effectively over like arguments were done and they were just waiting on the outcome when miller cores uh came out and was like no we've settled something behind closed doors and there's ndas signed at every level of this no one will ever know but what we do know is that Miller Coors will continue to brew Pabst and all those associated brands that we listed earlier through 2022. Hmm. So you've got another three years of those brands hanging around being brewed the exact same way as always. But something tells me Pabst is going to have to start figuring out something else. Because, again, yeah, you threaten to sue someone who's making your product and expect <laughs> them to keep making a quality product. It's not going to be the quality you actually sue someone like <laughs> at that level there's no threats yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the threats over like it, it, they they went through with it um one of the biggest problems is that 
the 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 main brewery that this is all over has been reducing their capacity for the past few years and they've been shutting down plants. I think two or three plants have been shut down over the past past few years. Yeah. So they're reducing their own capacity to brew. So if you come out and say, Oh, I'm sorry, we can't honor our contract because we've got no capacity, you better not have been reducing your capacity intentionally over the past few years. Seriously. Yeah. Like at the very least, there's some part of that that would probably like some part of some part of that agreement, some little line should have said, and when you're closing things, you need to keep in mind that you have to keep still doing use... this through this time period, no matter what you're, you know, you can go, oh, well, we can't make enough Coors Light anymore, so we got to close this plant and be like, well, that plant's like 70% making our products, so you might want to second guess that. Can you imagine running out of Coors Light? <laughs> and the world would be a better place? I don't like, know. Well, would be a better place. Sorry. Uh, until we get pulled off things and me singing copyrighted well, songs. I don't think that's how it works, but okay. <laughs> Doesn't help, know. probably. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Falls <laughs> under parody. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, it certainly is a parody. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of uh, some rollbacks, Deschutes is laying off 7% of its workforce, but good news... The ladder is hiring. <laughs> we had to work uh, it in, guys. We had to work it in. I, I did. <laughs> um, Oregon's Deschute Brewery laid off dozen employees last week, citing missing gro- missed growth projections. Uh, speaking to Brewbound Deschute's Brewery President and CEO Michael Leland. Mm. Uh, said that the company cut about 7% of its workforce on Thursday. Uh, effective positions came from sales, marketing, and operations. Uh, so every every level there except the executive feel, level. Yeah, that, that's what it feels like. Uh, Ben's local newspaper, The Bulletin, Bulletin first filed the story. Uh, Lalonde told Brewbound that Deschutes uh, had staffed up to grow over the past two years, but had slashed its workforce when that growth never materialized. Uh now, let's, let's get ready to see how much 7% is. Uh, they have now limited, eliminated 54 presi- positions over the last two years, with many of the jobs lost to attrition. They now imply, uh, employ 520 workers. So 54 is not a large number of employees necessarily. Uh, 7% sounds a lot catchier. Yeah. Uh, but still, like it, you know, it is showing that you know their long-term projections were probably a little bit. Yeah, considering they had to, I haven't seen anything else. Did they end up? They ended up going through with the land purchase deal in Virginia, right? But mm-hmm. now, but whatever they're building there, they have no idea, or whether yeah. or not they're going to hold that land and try and resell it. Right. Well, Deschutes, who was ranked as the 10th largest craft brewery last year by by the Brewers Association, is on pace to finish 2018 with sales of about 315,000 barrels of beer. Uh, the 30-year-old beer company's volumes uh, are down from a peak in 2016 when it sold 374,313 barrels. Uh, but last year's they declined nine percent to three thousand thirty nine and one hundred uh, thousand one hundred fifty five. Um, 
he also goes on to say, to put a spin on this, recent trends are looking much better nationwide. Who uh, sets the addition of a New England IPA, Fresh Haze, and the flagship Fresh Squeezed IPA, as well as uh, improving sales of the company's heritage brands. We're very optimistic about our performance in the future. Uh, and they, they go on the list of, it's one of the latest to downsize their workforce in 2018. Lagunitas, New Belgium, Green Flash, Ninkashi, Avery, among others, also laid off workers. Large brewers, including Anheuser-Busch, Miller Coors, Constellation Brands, and Peps, have also reduced their headcount. Look, it's been rough times all around. Uh, a lot of people reducing reducing staff sizes. Some people just slashing, slashing the budgets. Like, it's money's kind of hemorrhaging from a lot of these companies. By the way, we do have the thing. Uh, last week, Deschutes uh, had said that they would not break ground on the planned $95 million manufacturing plant in Roanoke. Okay, because I, that, uh, they ended up... Because to get out of some kind of clause with the uh, city or county or some, or state... They ended yeah. up uh, instead of having there's some like they had some kind of reciprocity thing about how many jobs they would bring and then they if they didn't pay all cash and then they're like we'll just throw down all cash so we can get rid of that little clause. Well, under the original timeline, they were slated to start construction in next June with the first shipments uh, leaving the facility in 2021. Now they must present a revised proposal to the city of Roanoke by March 31st, 2019. Oh, so. They can't break ground yet, but they are, I guess, looking at some other options. <laughs> wow. uh, yeah, and they said they need to report the first quarter what our plans are and then have a submit plans by the end of the summer. The project delay also follows is Deschutes' renegotiation of the incentive package tied to the project in order to maintain flexibility on the timeline, size, and scale the project. So it'll be going a new... from <laughs> yeah, going from a huge, multi, you know, multi, you know crazy production facility to yeah, we're putting in a small brew pub <laughs> it, it'll be the new green space tap room it'll essentially be a storage shed in the middle of a field <laughs> <laughs> taking a very low carbon footprint uh yeah <laughs> yeah they do say though we like the community they're a big part of who we are as a company but right now business results don't provide us enough financial capacity capability to do that project right now yeah, fair enough. yeah um some hard hard decisions coming from from Deschutes, which you know it's a shame. They they make beer that I generally really enjoy. Yeah, but uh, good decisions came from the ladders. Whereas <laughs> you can uh, go to our newly uh, christened store and get your own the <laughs> ladders T-shirts. Mm -hmm. I got ordered one. <laughs> I have I have. You weren't the first, Casey. <laughs> yeah, orders are already coming in for the brand new Delatters t-shirts, so you can rep your favorite fictional brewery. Fiction. <laughs> in Potentia. <laughs> brewery in Potentia, that's what I'm going to Brewery in Potentia. There you go. So if you want uh, to... Uh... We're, wearing the, we're wearing those for Drinktacular, right? That's that's, that's yeah. what I assumed was happening. I mean. <laughs> that's going to be how everyone recognizes everyone in Drinktacular. If you're wearing a Delatter shirt around Asheville, so everyone's like, oh, where's that brewery? <laughs> you got to go. Everyone <laughs> has heart. to run with the joke. It has to be the best brewery ever, and we all have to, <laughs> have to come up with some names for stuff. The, but, we all uh... give a different answer about where it is, though. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> yes. It's in your hearts. Oh, they're in. Just follow them. They're in Michigan. Oh, they're from California. Oh, they're from Maine. Uh, all right. Well, you know where else they could be? 
in the Taco Bell Cantina that sells beer. They could be, just like Blue Point. So, Blue Point has just launched a new beer, the Big City Bell Pilsner. That's like Taco Bell locations in New York. Starting That makes, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> well, it's got the bell and it's got the big city, so yeah. Well, no, like a that. Pilsner at Taco Bell? Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, oh. yeah, yeah. I'm surprised it's not a, a, uh, a yeah. Mexican lager yeah. of sorts. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's it was going to be something, you know, cool, not super out there. Like, sure. They probably already have, like, Modelo and stuff like that there, you know? I'm, uh, I'm, lo- I'm interested now to see what the, the hop content is, so I'll continue reading while the page loads. <laughs> um, <laughs> this beer releases on Christmas Eve, December 24th, for those of you. Uh, who aren't aware. The beer release is timed with the launch of three new Taco Bell Cantina locations in New York City, which officially opened this month um, at different locations on 8th Avenue, 7th Avenue, and 8th Avenue in Manhattan. Um, the Cantina locations, for those of you who, who may or may not know, those are the ones that can serve alcohol and are more of a, a little bit upscale, uh, fast casual sort of feel to them. The Taco Bell Cantina that serves beer. Yep. Yes. <laughs> it's its proper name. Big City Bell Pilsner will be brewed by Blue Point Brewery, uh, which is based in Patchahogue, Long Island, and owned by AB and Bev? No, are they Coors? Yes. Uh, AB and Bev. AB and Bev? Yes. Uh, Blue Point. Yes, yes, it is. AB is constructing okay. that new facility in upstate New York. Mainly oh, yeah, to yeah, brew. they are. To brew gotcha. uh, Blue Point, and that's also where there's a separate facility that everyone is speculating is for its sours only, and that's where Wicked Weed is going to be moved. Mm. Cool. Right. Well, Jenna Laley, uh, the Blue Point president, said in a press release, We're so excited to be part of the Cantina launch in our hometown. We're looking forward to the New Yorkers relaxing, uh, to New Yorkers, not the New Yorkers, I guess, uh, relaxing and enjoying some tacos with the new big city bell pilsner the beer collaboration seems to have been cooking for some time in june blue point discreet uh, directed several flirty taunts at taco bell on social media really <laughs> really that's how you're going to put it saying uh things such as hey taco bell let's be friends taco bell and live macho uh drink <laughs> mucha muchacho muchacho drink muchacho uh, your move, Taco Bell. Join the food chain's fair paired with Blue Point's Mexican-style lager, muchacho. No, macho, macho muchacho. muchacho. Oh, my goodness. Macho, muchacho. Is that Not the a good name. name. Not a good name at all. Oh. <laughs> People are going to struggle. Macho, muchacho. Macho, muchacho. Anyways. Um, I do. I, I'll give them this. I like the picture of the fish with the <laughs> the shark fin strapped to it. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that. I'll, I'll give them that. So Vine Pear, where this article comes from, says, Why Blue Point and Taco Bell decided to call the beer a Pilsner and not a Mexican lager is beyond us, but rest assured it is brewed with the blend of hops for, for a lime and citrus fruit aroma, a spokesperson said in an email. Well, if, Chris, you, remember from our, if you remember from our, our uh, main show episode about Mexican lagers, the Pilsner had a... Uh, was originally the, the, the style du jour there before they started coming up with yeah. the standard lager. Yeah, you've got the Vienna style lager that came over and, and mm-hmm. was was a little bit on that end. And, yep. and if you're going to brew something for for that kind of a thing, uh, why not go with the most popular beer style in the world? 
I'm really interested now to see the IVUs. <laughs> it's not showing. I'm sure this is down in like the 15 IBU range. This can't oh, be. Oh, it's not going to be like a hot bomb or anything. No. No. <laughs> Blue Point. Let's just go directly to their website and look from there. But yes, so uh, so that is uh, what's up and coming on the side of beers for Taco Bell. Well, I now, think that means we need to pay a visit to the uh, Taco Bell Cantina that serves beer in Cincinnati mm-hmm. and try it when uh, Macho Muchacho makes it there. So oh, so back. Macho Muchacho is not the, the won't be there. So Macho oh, Muchacho, you may only. be able to grab yeah. um, in York stores, uh, but that new those New the, York locations should be the only ones I think that have it currently. The, um, again, they're making the big big city Bell Pilsner, not the Macho Muchacho. Oh. Macho Muchacho was an existing. Oh, okay. <clears throat> well, then we'll have to go try it when any of them make it to the Cincinnati location, and just give us an excuse to finally go to that one. Because we yeah. have not made it. And there. so, Macho Muchacho Mexican style lagers coming in at 25 IBUs and 5.5 ABV. Available April 15th through August. So, uh, maybe when that comes back around, we might be able to see it. Yeah. Another Budweiser AB and Bev beer. All right. Well, All right. Uh, speaking of things coming around again, guess what? It's Final Four time. And we've got a little uh, bit of news uh, on the Final Four. The U.S. Bank Stadium will be the first venue to sell beer and wine during the NCAA Men's Final Four. Uh, in, NCAA. This is golf. It's it's the it's it's with the ball. It's with uh, the the orange ball. The orange one that they throw around with their hands. Nerf Nerf. Touch football. Handy ball. We'll call it handy ball. The NCAA's transformation of U.S. Bank Stadium for the men's Final Four in April will be the most comprehensive in the young building's history. And in return, the Minneapolis venue will offer up an amenity never before available during college basketball's March Madness finale. Adult beverages. This is the first this is the first Final Four that beer and wine will be sold to the public. I never realized that that wasn't the case. I figured at least beer before, but uh. well, the college ball is really strange. Like the NCAA has been really big on no alcohol in college sports. Like they don't want to mix the two usually. Um, uh, you, you, college already has enough of a bench drinking, but public so, image. You don't want to add that to all. You know, anytime you see college, you just see drunken people in the streets they, burning couches. But they do. And uh, moving into this next sentence, uh, that's a quote from the SMG general manager, Patrick Talty, uh, from whenever this article originally came out, uh, from their sports facilities authority. SMG, which operates the stadium for the MSFA, a public body, is coordinating the event with the NCAA. I used to work for SMG at an arena that is now uh, NCAA. And they served alcohol for years during hmm. during college ball games. Maybe they just don't do it during the Final Four. So or maybe because there were plenty of dollar beer nights. I'm just gonna say that. Well, and the the NCAA, according to their guidelines right now, um, they limit the amount of advertising that can be possible during an actual uh, public showing. 
So it used to be you could advertise malt beverages, beer, and wine provided they don't exceed 6% alcohol by volume. Mm, So wine that's no higher than 6% alcohol by volume is hard to come by. So it may be the wine that's really the big, big change over here. Now, in addition to that, they can contain no more than 60 seconds of beer advertising or wine advertising per hour of championship programming. They have to include the tag, drink responsibly, and they can't contain content. Um, the, the content has to be considered respectful. Huh. Okay. That kind of makes sense. I, I can see I can see where that's coming from. It, it was just tickling something in my brain where I'm like, well, the team here used to con- get a contract brew with Braxton, who would brew a special two team themed beer to be sold exclusively at games <laughs> but it makes sense that it since it had to probably fall under whatever percentage six percent yeah. yeah and that no brewery in town really makes a beer under six percent right you're not getting any uh goose island uh bourbon, bourbon County. counties yeah and they're you're not getting any IPAs of consequence that are being advertised. It's yeah. no wonder you, all you see is Bud Miller Coors. That's the only beers that are under six percent. Yeah, <laughs> it, it all kind of makes sense now that this is a thing. Uh, they the article goes on and on about the facility, which we we don't care about that part of it. But so that we we've waded through this, and now if you uh, are really if you're a thirsty individual that will will be attending the Final Four probably here and moving forward into the future. You can wet that whistle. There was there was another sporting event with with college students where they just recently allowed advertisements to be on the field, and I can't remember what that was. But um, it, it really came down to the fact that look, I'm surprised. Money talks. Yeah. I'm surprised basketball courts don't aren't like. A giant LED screen with some lines in it, so the people in the stands can't watch a commercial going while the players are going. Right, <laughs> give it time. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. They're gonna find a way to embed LEDs into that wood. As <laughs> soon as the as soon as the basketball can bounce in the same way, it's <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, it just you immediately go to uh, Talladega Nights when. Ricky Bobby, they sold his windshield for advertising. It was like Fig Newtons, and he's like, "This this window decal's dangerous, but I do love those Fig Newtons." Love Newtons. That's, I'm just because I'm just picturing like someone trying to like dribble down the floor. They're looking around, and all of a sudden a big flashing commercial comes on, like big bright lights. Like I can't see. Yeah, ball goes into the stands, kills four people. <laughs> the balls are spiked in this version because we've gone to full idiocracy. Yeah, they're bombs. Like they go flying into the stands and then they detonate when someone who's a non-player. That's the shot touches. timer. That's the shot timer. My new version of basketball. <laughs> nice. All right then. I think on that note, <laughs> we've invented our brand think, new game. I, yeah. I, 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 can we call it basketball, or is that taken? I think it's taken. Uh, Matt and Trey Parker may may own that mm-hmm. one already. Uh, Indeed. Um, So we'd like to remind everyone, (laughs) this is our news-only show. We do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, 
please go to patreon.com slash have a drink show. You can also go to the store there if you want to support us and <laughs> purchase yourselves a t-shirt or a bag or there's just a, a smattering of things. Starting starting off. Yeah, we're, we're starting off small and we're getting there. Uh, but we will see you again next Saturday, right? Yeah, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, That's a a show-packed weekend. Yeah. (laughs) Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. (laughs) I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>